We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services hello trent hello parth nice to see you likewise hello you're looking well you're looking pretty good damn good yourself thanks i uh, yep i looked up in the small box and i saw how my hair looked and it was pretty good not not good pretty all over well i said i'm in the need for a nappy nap so maybe that justifies well i mean it's like bedhead but it's like pre-bedhead pre pre pre-bedhead Interpret hmm. that as you will. Um, speaking of um, bodily functions, sleep, hunger, what have you been eating? Water bottle, um, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Sophia and I were going, we're seeing Scream 6 tonight. And Wait, from the When Harry Met Sally discussion episode? Yes. Wait, now Sophia's officially been on another episode other than Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Um, yeah, she a can happier get like, episode, even. Yeah, she can get like a silver, a bronze jacket. Or something mm-hmm. like that. No, before the gold, the gold jacket. But uh, Sophia and I had plans to see Scream Six uh, in theaters, and we were going to get food beforehand. Um, but then realized that for lunch we had no food at Sophia's college house, and so we decided to instead get food um, for lunch and then cook something for dinner. And we got Chipotle. Sophia and I both mm. got burritos. Oh, that yeah, I was gonna ask. Bowl, burrito. Has that answer fluctuated throughout your life or have you always consistently? In my life it has actually. Um pre- I think that's natural. I've gone back and forth. Pre dating Sophia, um, I was more of a taco three tacos kind of man. Well, I um, last, last time I was at Chipotle, the person in front of us got tacos and I said out loud, Who would ever, ever get tacos here? Because it just seems like you get so much less stuff. But I just like taco, like I like the form factor of a taco, and that's why I would get it. But then Sophia really turned me on to burritos at mm. um, Chipotle because there's just so much cleaner, you know. You ever try a bowl? Bowl eat bow, bow with some chips, and then you, you I have. scoop them. They're that's good. It. I feel like you get the most substance that way. Is it any better than? Taste-wise, I can't attest to. I feel like I've always measured success in terms of uh, just, like, how much food is given Pure, to me. Like, Mass. Yeah, yeah, mass, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, would you like to know what I've been eating? Nah, I'm good. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a frozen pizza um, the other day. I'm trying to think of what form... Oh, do you know... Uh, had a little like protein pack thing and it had olives in it and I was like maybe I'm old enough to the point where I like olives now and I tried it and I was like wait no olives are fucking gross and then I just had a frozen pizza during the same shop I bought frozen pizza that had like spinach and arugula and olives on it and I just ate it and the olives diluted by all the other flavors I was able to deal with to tolerate but, uh, yeah do you like olives uh not really. I mean, I've had a complicated relationship with olives, one could say. Um, not that complicated. I didn't really like... I like olive products. Like, I like olive oil. I like olive, you know, whatever. But um, 
like you know how sometimes you get like just olives as like a thing at places yeah. like I, yeah. I don't really like them in that context but like sometimes on a pizza or something in the right amount and context i can be like yeah that's good I find the older I get, I'm not really broadening my palate that much. It's more so I'm just getting better at diluting the stuff I don't like in big bites with the other ingredients the you do. that I prefer. Yeah, fair enough. But speaking of dilution, like I don't, I don't want to dilute this episode. Yeah, with so much te- intro. Of, yeah, you know? and we more so. Yeah, you don't want to dilute like the technical know-how. With all, mm. this jibber, with all this jibber-jabber. So with that being said, should we cue the intro? Cue the intro, yeah. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, who do we have, Trent? Jamina Sa, who is the production designer of such films as Mid-90s and the upcoming Beverly Hills Cop film, and, of course, uh, opening last weekend, Michael B. Jordan's Creed Three. Yeah, and this is part two of our discussion with him, and I'd say this is where we get into the meat the meat and potatoes, um, because this is where we get into uh, really specific sets, specific scenes. Um, uh, definitely would still listen to that first part. Um, he talks about uh, how he got into the business and meeting up with Michael B. Jordan to, to do this movie. Yeah, we're not um, picking but, favorites. We don't know which part's better. It's hard to say. No, but um, this is a pretty good episode, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, we, uh, we, uh, towards the end of our interviews, that's when we ask about like the other movies, the wild card IMDb movies. So we'll talk about everything that looked interesting on his IMDb and, uh, ask him the big kahuna final question, as you know, and then when, we'll, then we'll all get home safe in time for dinner, you know? Yeah. So, um, we'll catch you guys after the interview. Cue the interview. just because we're talking about the fights um just to get into like a specific scene the final i mean uh i guess mild spoiler warning i don't know i, I don't want to get too spoilery but you kind of go into their minds in one the of the void fights. we were we were calling it the void mm. oh that's that's the name of the track i think in the yeah. soundtrack um yeah. uh which i listened to today good good soundtrack yeah what was that like the d- because i i didn't expect the way it sort of, I don't know how to, I don't want to reveal too much, but the, the way in which it shows what's going on in their minds, um, uh, physically I mean, was really interesting. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be the schmuck who kind of, kind of reveals without revealing, but you know, it was Mike, it was a hundred percent. We were just talking, I was talking to the DP this morning and it was a hundred percent, uh, Michael's idea for this, you know, this, this surreal sort of etheric, like void. And that's when we really went into when I went onto the white on white, you know, uh, and he went in the shorts, the whole thing, right? It gets into that almost like I was basing it on the first Superman movie a little bit, you know, like when he goes, uh, you know, what I mean, 
And I know that's a little bit lofty of a description, but, and he was picking up on that. And, you know, some people kind of couldn't understand it at the beginning. I thought it would be great. I like any of that stuff. I always like when it goes in a surreal nature. Um, and he held tight and we built like, we built these, uh, they lit it. It was incredible. It felt like it was shot. And we built these like, you know, one side of the ring with jail bars and one side of the ring with the mattress that they were like, you know, from the boys home. And I felt that it did. It was a great culmination of what I had originally read in the, the first script and what we, what it became after many different talks and ideas of this sort of Shakespearean, you're fighting yourself, like you're fighting, right? Which is sort of the rocky thing. You're worth it. You're not a fraud, which we all or I deal with. And a lot of people I work with deal with where you're like, oh, they're going to finally figure out I'm a fraud. Oh, we deal with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. That's like yeah. the worst. But it's also like the most empowering what drives a lot of us to do stuff. There's a little bit of that fear and where they finally, it was so intimate. You know what I mean? Where these two guys, it almost becomes like one and it just, there's nothing else. It's the most intimate, quiet. It's not really quiet, but there's no crowd. There's no people. There's no, it's what you would do with no one looking like the old saying, like, would you do it if no one's looking kind of vibe or if no one's going to see it, are you still going to make the film? Uh, and I just thought it was, it came out like I was so, I was buzzing when I finally, I hadn't seen it um, completed with all the uh, post effects and stuff. And there was a little bit of some reshoots on. And so I saw it this past Sunday before the premiere and I was just buzzing off that. Like I was like, we should have done more of that, you know? Uh, and I thought it was a good surprise within there too. We like to ask all the our production designers uh, what, and maybe you since you just rewatched it, uh, which set uh, gave you the most difficulty, or which one did you end up being the most proud of, uh, or which like a com- which accomplishment or one or what lesson did you learn from this movie? It was the first time I had to fake another city, especially a city I know really well. Right, like if I go, I've shot in done weird things for videos and commercials where you're in Romania and they kind of want it to be London. And you're like, you know, you're hoping (laughs) that the kid who's working with me who's from London. I'll be like, Oh, does that look like a mailbox? You know, you know what I mean? Like, or would that be there anymore? And and this was so overall, it was a, and not to not answer the question, but overall it was a beast of scouting and curating and getting together and really forcing, like we can't, you can't shoot there. The, the streetlights, they, they hang their streetlights on wires. We don't have, there's not one of those in California. And how do we get the depth? And one of the greatest, the smallest set that was sometimes the most important to me um, was Damien's sort of apartment motel where he's staying when he gets out and he has this, he goes into sort of a psychosis and we had to match it with this other thing. And we, I was like, let's just use that motel room. And we used this motel room and we painted it and we made it really simple. And we added these sort of brass Kara um, price, the set deck and myself added, I had this reference to this portrait of a kid in the eighties in South central who, you know, it was like a terrible place, but there were these two beautiful, they almost looked like they're from when I was in India, like a gold uh, kind of brass butterflies on the wall of the bathroom. You know what I mean? And 
it just felt it was so put together and uh, it worked really well. Um, the most fun and challenging set was his man cave, you know, which is sort of a lot of the bulk of it takes place and to match it with the house. And I'll say that with also finding sometimes doing the set is also scouting and finding that upstairs that would go with our downstairs. And we just did a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things in there. We brought his, you know, his Mustang from Creed one and twos parked in the back, which you don't see that much. We had like tried to age him with like a golf simulator where he was trying to become more like executive guy. We had all, you know, all of his heroes of all the fights, shorts and boxing gloves. We got Kobe and Shaq to like hook us up over here. And we did this bar and her recording studio and a lot of, just a lot of uh, architectural details that we did um, because this movie was challenged uh, monetarily as well on certain things, which I don't think it reflects. Um, but uh, I, I don't think anyone would notice if you didn't say anything, but it wasn't, you know, sort of just spend away. Uh, sorry, they were bringing me a burrito. Um, but uh, <laughs> another perk of set. Uh, so that that was the most challenging to make it feel real and feel like, you know, a $50 million estate here in the Hollywood Hills. Like we have like the houses we were scouting. And then this third part of that is that scene with his daughter. That's so great. You know what I mean? Where do we find a place where we can get that bitchin view of Los Angeles? That's just overwhelming where you're just the King on top of the world. Uh, and how to make that. And that was, you know, that's a weird house. That wasn't like an amazing house all the way through, but we just needed that bit. Um, so those were my most proud and challenging sets. I wanted to ask about the prologue yeah. sequence, which kind of, you kind of keep harking back to at the convenience store, I think yeah. is what it is. Um, just cause that ends up being kind of a pivotal location throughout the movie. Like, was that, uh, where was that? Was that Atlanta? Was that Los Angeles? So let's go back. That just touched on, I, and I didn't think about it, was my big sort of thorn in the heel or, you know, whatever. It was we scouted these amazing spots in Los Angeles. And, like, when you see the kid leave and run up the street, we had to do that in L.A. with all the palm trees. It's such an iconic South Central L.A. thing. But all of a sudden with schedule, we didn't have time to shoot with all the people in Los Angeles at that liquor store. So they're like, we're going to shoot it in Atlanta. And have you guys been to Atlanta? Atlanta has box stores. They're just different. They're just a different thing. It, they don't look like liquor stores. And we found one and we did a lot of work and Kramer and them did a fantastic job of keeping it, uh, keeping it short, you know, not going long and not trying to see all the depth and keeping it really tight and a little bit claustrophobic uh, so that it made a lot of sense. Um, and so that was a, another one where we had to kind of hodgepodge between the two. And I think it worked out. Yeah. I, I didn't notice any seams. Oh, and the other scene that was amazing. Sorry. The set that was amazing was early on from the first prologue when he's in the golden gloves, when Damien's going, when they're, when he picks him up after Michael's pretending to go to sleep, um, we worked hard on Michael's bedroom. I mean, Adonis's bedroom, right? Sorry, on Adonis's bedroom to make it feel legit. And 
you know, the nineties of a wealthy kid. And when they get out, all of a sudden we finally found this incredible sort of defunct roller rink in Atlanta that had become like sort of a church at certain points and other things. And I feel like we really made that feel believable. Like we were in South central in this old route roller rink, which is what they used to do, you know, in a lot of these golden gloves is they just find a space and put a ring up, you know what I mean? And maybe a small bar. And it, I, I thought that came out pretty good too. Uh, so I think maybe the last specific scene, uh, I asked Parth specifically if I could ask about it, because I haven't been able to see the movie yet since it's still the opening weekend, but I, I've watched the trailer a few times, and uh, when Michael B. Jordan's pulling a plane, I was like, Parth, you gotta let me ask about that. So were you 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 involved in the plane pulling? Uh, I didn't pull the plane at all. No, 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 no. In in maybe picking the planes that get pulled or yes. And- so that was so that was you know. I mean, I'm sorry if some of this is boring, but I always like the way things sort of find their way. And we were like, "Where is he going to train?" And Michael was like, "Adonis has to like clear his head. He has to go away." And we were talking. I was like, "All these fighters go to Big Bear since Muhammad Ali. They go to the mountains. It used to be, you know." Uh, Mayweather had De La Hoya had a camp there if you're a fight fan forever they all go and you run at the high altitudes and do all this so then it was like oh that's amazing okay but it's a it's a beast to bring a whole crew like that up there and we found this amazing airport um, actually very close to where I am right now in Agua Dulce and it just sort of we you know we built that gym in the hangar and uh he was like, he was adamant about pulling this plane. Then we found a great plane there, you know, on the runway. And, uh, that's another one of, uh, MBJ's like ideas. Like what I mean when he was like, okay, cool. You're going to make this hangar look great. Okay. It should feel, and he had some, a few ideas. It's not this, it's not that, but it's, I was like, Let, let's have a crack at it. He was like, that's great. It's great. But I got to pull this plane. You know what I mean? How am I going to pull this plane? And, uh, it actually, I think it, I think that they, and we had to do it. They did a few reshoots. Some I was a part of some, a friend stepped in for, cause we had started Beverly Hills cop. But, uh, I thought that the, uh, training montages, which are a huge one, you know, which I didn't realize how much of a thing those are in the franchise world of Rocky from the beginning. It's like, what's the training montage? How are we going to outdo it? And I thought it was seamless and, pretty invigorating and exciting and you know uh, the audience reaction to realizing what he was pulling um is it good was crazy like oh, wow. like i hadn't I, I i think trent said that he saw it in one of the trailers um but yeah. i guess i had avoided the trailers because i didn't know that was gonna happen right I, I found that awesome i i also wanted to ask just in the same montage you have the hollywood sign is yeah. that the real hollywood sign real and, hollywood sign wow yeah. Uh, was that difficult to coordinate getting? No, there's a trail a now that you can actually do that. And so that, that wasn't as bad as seeming. The other, the new um, Sixth Street Bridge, you know, which was famous for a million movies. You could do a whole podcast on what was filmed on that bridge from music videos to movies to everything. Uh, that was challenging because it became like a whole thing with kids doing burnouts the last, you know, when it, since it opened, it, it became a sort of a little provocative spot of, you know, what the, what they were allowing us to do. 
but yeah, no, the Hollywood sign was real and that was him. And that kind of went back. We were going to do that in Africa, in Africa at one point, it, you know, it's, it's, Whoa. it's pretty well, because the first fight in South Africa at one point had a much longer sort of statement. And then we, it sort of, it, you realize it wasn't as necessary, you know, and that it was more about their inner battle and less about, it was a fantastically written and it would have been beautiful and it would have been all these things, but it was like, that's a, it's almost like another, you, I think you find when you really dive into stuff, sometimes you end up being like, Oh, that's a whole other story. You know what I mean? If you're not staying focused, it's like, Oh, these guys are going back to Africa and we're going to just do it like that and be done. It wasn't really honoring that whole setup so parth are we moving out of creed town into other movie town yeah i think uh maybe you should take the next question because i know take you're trying to asking <laughs> sure so you already kind of told us how you got involved with mid 90s um and I, I was just curious i was looking at imdb you're credited also as an actor as jj king of beepers and i was thinking back to if i remembered your scene and i i i had to ask or where were you showing the no, but I'm sure I, I've seen the movie a bunch of times, so I'm sure if it's you're kind of funny me, if you see it again. Like only because I'm not sure how how foregrounded you are. Uh, that one I am. Like it was really oh. funny in like uh, in Don't Worry He Won't Get Far on Foot. I had like three different parts because sometimes there'd be no people, and Joaquin Phoenix, who became friends, would be like, "Hey, you mean like I'd be like an extra?" And then I was like, "Oh wow, I'm gonna you know." And some of those got cut out. I was like the projectionist, and I was this you know different forms of beard. And then this one, we were like, what's, you know, we built, uh, we ended up getting the skate shop. They really wanted to do rehearsals. These kids were not actors. We, we didn't want to have it for like a week. We wanted to own this thing. And we found um, this great area that I knew in East LA that felt that wasn't modernized. Uh, so we found this Taekwondo studio that was for rent and it had the you know, the parking lot in the back, which was necessary for every skate shop at that time. And then we were like, oh, what's next door? Because we had this whole scene. And I was like, oh, it should be a beeper store. Like, when we were kids. That was such a thing, you know, of that time. And then there was this guy, JJ, King of Beepers, who was like, <laughs> I think he was Israeli. Awesome name, like, by the way. Oh, it was amazing. There were billboards everywhere. And then he was like, I'm the King of Beepers, you know. And he, it was like this seminal guy who then got busted in this ecstasy ring. You know, he was basically importing like part of this weird sort of world mafia of like United Nations, like one like Turkish guy, an Israeli guy, a French guy. And he was like the leader of anyway. So I said, oh, <laughs> we, can we do this beeper store? It'll be so great. And then uh, we'll call it JJ's. And, and Jonah was like, cool. And you're going to be the dude. And I was like, oh, and then I was kind of like, oh, whatever. And then it sort of uh, uh, all of a sudden it was like. You know, Heidi, uh, the amazing uh, uh, costume designer who's a bud, was like, hey, so we're shooting to your parts tomorrow. Like, you know, like, do you want to come for a fitting or whatever? And uh, I basically play this guy who, and I had to ad lib, and I play this guy a little bit who's outside and the kids are giving a hard time. I'm sweeping the street, you know, and I'm like, I fought in Desert Storm or whatever. Oh, like, oh I, d I do remember this. So, and then they were all, the kids were like, yo, but he's the homie. So we can't really get mad at him. And, and I was like doing an affected accent, like my Egyptian grandfather and father, you know, and Jonah, like, 
yeah, maybe tone it down a little. And like, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden the sweat on your back. But it was it turned out pretty fun. A lot of people uh, bring that up more than uh, uh, designing the movie, like in sort of just wow, like people I see around or whatever. They have no clue what production design is. Like ah, I saw you in mid nineties. Yeah, so, I mean you're JJ mom. King of the Beepers. So that's it. You know that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like one of my favorite sets that we don't see much on. It was it was amazing. We went hard on that. Uh, it was like almost pawn shop beeper store. It was great. And uh, we'll move uh, on soon. But there, I mean, since we're talking about shooting Atlanta as L.A., I mean, for mid nineties, you 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 really, I'm sure, since you know L.A. so well, you, you, that was really utilizing your skill set. I mean, I'm it was sure great. that that. Yeah, it was great. It was so fun. And Joe, we had a lot of L.A. natives on that, you know what I mean, which is rare. But uh, so everyone was very uh, into it. And it was great. Uh, Yeah. So uh, just I think the last movie we want to talk about is one that hasn't come out yet. Um, It's Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. Um, Yeah. And just what what, what was that experience like? like? Which it seems like you've wrapped on. We wrapped. Tell us what you can about it. Um, I wanted to do a big action movie, I thought. Uh, I met, again, kind of a similar... I think it always sort of works the same if there's a synergy or, you know, a thing when you meet. Um, the director was a first-time film director, a big uh, commercial director's done well. We hadn't worked together. We had talked about work. He always want, just wasn't working with schedules. Um some other people invite, I went to see him. We came with all these, uh, again, a, a full reference book of like what LA is and what it was. And here's what Beverly Hills cop was. And here's how they, you know, now he's a 60 year old man with a daughter. And what is that? Um, and I think it went really well. I was, it, it was, it was, it was a challenge. They're all challenging. It was, a. Uh, it was really fun. Like, to be honest, it was pretty, it was pretty fun and it was, you know, it's strange when there's four, five, six, seven cameras going at once and we're closing down major roads for, you know, and choreo- choreographing these incredible, like, uh, hopefully they're incredible, like sort of shootouts and car scenes and we have helicopters doing their whole thing. Uh, it was neat to sort of be on that sort of almost like uh, Jerry Bruckheimer kind of, you know, Michael Bay, like blow up the world with and then also again trying to ground it in this in a story and make it look really good so part you think it's time yeah so uh well i think we move on now to what we call the big kahuna final question oh and the big kahuna final question <laughs> we we need to shift gears from being uh people in the industry to being consumers of media and just normal viewers, and we're asking what is the last great movie that you watched. And not good, great is what we specify. The last? Uh, I know what the last great movie I saw is, and I was surprised. I really uh, loved The Banshees of Insurance. Oh, we, we were just talking about it be- before We were talking about if it was going to win Best Picture. Yeah, excuse me. My fucking 11-year-old. I'm sorry, I curse sometimes. I don't know if this is a PG podcast. Oh, that's uh, podcast. all... All so a fucking eleven year old will watch like Truffaut movies with me, and at the ra- most random times, like you know, all these weird movies, and then she won't watch a whole bunch of things. I put that movie on, so like two minutes in, she sits down. We sat through that whole movie, 
And I just, I thought it was so, it, it looked so great. First of all, I thought their performances were wonderful. Uh, a friend of mine who I worked on this, on some commercials in this TV show that had like, you know, came out, but it was, we didn't, I didn't go back to it because of the pandemic and different things. Uh, Peter Cohen, who's done all these great movies from Birdman, all that. He was like, I'm going to Ireland to do this thing with Martin McDonald. I was like, oh, cool. And I just thought it was so charming and wonderful, like, and so like Irish or like an old Russian novel about, you know, this idea where you just, it's so simple. And I loved that, that I was engaged the whole time by a guy who just went, like if today, if you looked at Parth and go, I don't want to be friends anymore. And he's like, you know what I mean? Like, wow. not even like emotional though. It's so great. You're just like, no, no, I don't want to do it. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, you don't want to do it. Like, we got get. And he's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. Like, I'm done. I wish you the best. I'm done. And I was like, what a weird, simple, great thought that could hold a whole movie. I mean, you need those actors. It was well written. What a the palette was so beautiful without being contrasty, but with really. Uh, you know, sort of bold colors for what it was. You know what I mean? It was, it was so interesting to me. Um, so yeah, that was the last great one. Awesome. Uh, yeah, good good movie. I, I watched that with my parents and it was a good time. And I watched, uh, can I add a, a second, like a point Oh, five? as many as you want. And I just, it's called like, I watched a doc two nights ago again with my daughter called All That Breeds. It's about the, it's uh, on HBO. It's about these these guys in Delhi who it's a documentary, but it was so wonderful. It felt almost like a Vim Vendors film where they rescue all these birds of prey in Delhi and with the pollution and stuff, but they kind of have this business, but their passion is these sort of birds of prey. So they have like a bird hospital and they kind of <laughs> go out on these calls. It's a wonderfully slow and gorgeous uh, movie documentary. Is it on anything? HBO. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was it was also great because I just stumbled upon it. I didn't go like, "Oh, I want to see this," and it was mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, it's great, uh, Trent. Do you want to take us out? Sure. Thank you so much uh, to production designer Jamin Asah. Uh, he's worked on such films as Mid Nineties, the upcoming Beverly Hills Cop movie, and of course Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, I believe, Creed Three. Uh, yeah. Thank you for your time. Uh, excellent talking to you. Thanks, guys. Wow. Hello! Okay. Um, hey, Trent. Hi, Parth. Good uh, interview. That was a pretty good interview. Thank you, Jameen Asah. Uh, he was a really nice guy. He, um, like, five minutes after we finished recording, sent me an email being like, Hey, man, you guys were great. Thanks. Yeah, and, and it like, seemed like Ooh. he was on his lunch break for a pro yes. commercial project and so we appreciate you using what little time you had on set to talk to to talk with parth and i i don't remember if it was during the interview and if i edited it out or if it was just before or after but somebody came up to his car and it was with and they had his lunch i assume mid, a PA with his lunch mid mid interview not no, that the interview whoa, was whoa. mid interview is no. not mid no no the modern definition of mid is is confusing that sentiment um 
Among, whilst the interview was being conducted, he was brought a burrito, I believe. Wow. Yes. F- brought full circle. Wow, it was su- yeah. It was a sushi burrito, he clarified. It because was. he said that was very California of him. And I said, we've got him here too, bucko. Yeah. I, d- I didn't say it was, I said, Come I mean. Come here to he- Jersey, huh? Ho! Zing! Ba- bing bong! Oh! I wonder if you edited out that, you probably did. Uh, but, I mean, it wasn't in last week's episode, so if it's in this week's, then I'll find out soon enough. I haven't edited the interview yet. I guess by the point the viewer or the listener is hearing about it, they know, because they would have heard about it physically. Or not and, heard it. Or not. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, um, whether whether they did or did not hear it, I'd say they heard it on such podcast platforms as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, mm. or wherever you get your podcasts, which... Speak of the Devils where is all of the options where we offer our this podcast. And as much as we like to put out these episodes and sort of fulfill our end, I'd say there's things that <laughs> there's a you, sort of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, that we are asking, we're bestowing it upon you, and it's that you tell at least one person about our show. Yes, and rate us on. The shows you're listening, the the five, platform of choice. Yeah, a five stars. Write a review. Say something nice. Say something mean. <gasps> Please don't do that. If you've listened to the entirety of the interview, just say something mean. We appreciate the dedication and the li- and the numbers are all the same, baby. And if people like want to see us or see what we're what's <laughs> oh. coming up or like what's yeah, what... people don't often get the opportunity to see us. But if you feel so inclined. Instagram, Twitter, Craft Services Pod, those these would be the places you, one might look to find us. Yes, and uh, so go do all that stuff. And um, next week, yeah. you can uh, listen to our discussion of Creed Three, our feelings on the film. Which Trent, have you seen it yet? I've not. Still to this day, at time of recording, I've not seen any Creed film. But I'm hoping by the time we do that discussion, I will have seen Rectify all Rectify that Cre- issue. I will have seen all Creed. All, I will be up to date on the Creed franchise. I think watching all the Rocky movies, I'm too far gone. I think I, I saw the. I don't think it's applicable really even at all. No. I mean, like I think the Creed two, especially, I think is like better. Or, or you get more out of it, maybe, if you've seen Rocky Four and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think it's necessary. If you know what happens in the other movies and they tell you, then I think you're in a good spot. Yeah, I think we're going to have on special special reoccurring guest Jackson Clark. Yes. Um, I think we are now at liberty to say, to name names. And then after that, I don't think we know what we're doing. Emails have been sent, Trent. Emails yep. have been sent. <laughs> And um, I, hopefully we we'll get replies, you know? Yep, that's all we can say on that. Um, but I promise you, we will have episodes out for you. We're about to go on to spring break, hopefully record an interview or two. Yep. And yep. Um, we're here for you at the end of the day. Yeah, we just that's, want you exa- to know that. that's exactly what we're, that's exactly what I was trying to say. So we're here for you on like a mental health level. Yes. You can just like go on the Instagram that we mentioned and comment like, what your problems are, mm. and then we'll comment or back. DM the the craft services yep. Instagram. Well, we'll we'll comment back with a solution. Yeah, um, but that is all for this week. Join us next week, 
And um, bye, guys. After that, who who knows? Yeah. 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 yeah.